0: Uh, as you can see, I'm not Pastor Frank Jr. And uh, Pastor Frank will Jr. will be back next week. Uh, as you know, he was at the FCA Fellowship of Christian Athlete uh, Motocross Camp and, uh, in Remsen, New York. And uh, Vi and I went out on Tuesday to uh, watch the kids ride and also to hear the chapel service. Danielle Toscano was with us as well. And um, it's just absolutely amazing. You have all these kids coming in and they're coming in to learn how to be better you know motocross riders and uh but then they're presented the gospel and the last night uh when pastor frank jr uh gave the invitation and it was powerful in fact next week he'll be showing a video on 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 motocross camp in the second service and he'll be sharing about it himself but uh I mean, the kids responded in an unbelievable way. They had one of the uh, trainers there. This is a guy who's a professional dirt bike rider who came to the camp several years ago, and he gave testimony of how he got saved at the camp and how it completely changed his life. And uh, it's just a beautiful thing to see the Lord using that kind of venue, you know, dirt bikes, motocross. In order to bring kids to the Lord. It was amazing. We had other people from our church that were working there as well, you know, Marty and Jill. Jill worked in the cafeteria and uh, made many runs into Utica to get food and different things that were needed. So I encourage you to be here next week uh, for that. And something I'd like you to be praying about is, uh, you know, I, I've written a book on the book of Revelation. I've worked on it, been working on it for three years. And it's actually, uh, we're planning on having it. Um, published by Westbow, which is the Christian division of Thomas Nelson and Zondervan Press. And um, Vi and I are going over the final review of it. We had Joe Marcial Jr. did our first editing. Now we're going over the, well, you're not Jr., just Joe Marcial, And we're we're going over our our final um, editing before we send it in. But what we've decided to do, because Zondervan can't actually have it out in print for probably 10 months, maybe to a year. Uh, So we're hoping as soon as we finish it, we're going going to put it on uh, Amazon and on Kindle. And so it's readily available. And then when they're ready to publish the book, we can take take it off uh, Kindle. So it's going to be available. But the reason I'm bringing it up is going through the book of Revelation. It's the only book in the Bible where you're promised a blessing to read it, to hear it, and to study it. And when you go through this book, it real, makes you realize the times in which we're living. We're living in the last days. There's absolutely no question about it. This world keeps getting darker and darker. You have any doubts about that? It's true. But the reality is that the darker a room, the brighter the light shines. And so you and I as believers, rather than kind of dimming our light because everything seems to be getting darker in the world, we should let our light shine even brighter. Because it's such an amazing thing to know salvation and to know that sinners like you and I can have all of our sins forgiven, removed from us as far as the east is from the west, remembered no, no more, and be brought into the kingdom of his light with the assurance of going to heaven, having the seal and deposit of the Holy Spirit. How amazing is that? That's the promise we have in the Lord. Uh, a couple announcements. We have a sign-up sheet out in the foyer, and the sign-up sheet is for the men's and women's retreat. The women's retreat is in October, the end of October, and the men's, I mean, the end of September is the women's retreat. The men's retreat is in the beginning of October. And we set it up, I mention this every time, but it's worth mentioning. We set it up in such a way you don't have to miss work. It starts 5 o'clock Friday evening, and it ends Saturday at noon. And so we have uh, dinner together Friday, we have a e- Friday evening session and then we have a, um, breakfast together, and then we have a, a morning session on Saturday, then we have lunch together, and we come home. And so it's, a, it's really an awesome a- experience to be together, to be separated as men, to be separated as women, and to really draw closer to the Lord and to be able to encourage one another. So please sign up if you get a chance. And also, right after church, we're having the church supper, and we invite everyone to come to it. I'm actually praying for rain And you you might be thinking, why why is he doing that? Because I uh, called Karen and had her change it from the church picnic to the church covered dish dinner because they were predicting rain. Instead, we got nice weather. We could have had our picnic, so I hope it rains. Not not, not really, not really. (laughs) Okay, I think that's it. And so if you want to open your Bibles with me to Leviticus chapter 10, and we'll be picking up in verse 8, Leviticus 10, picking up with verse 8. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we pray that you would use this portion of Scripture to speak to our hearts and to encourage our souls. We thank you, Father, for the love that you so freely expressed to us through Jesus Christ. And as we break open these portions, these words, Lord, of your holy Scripture, I ask that they would instruct us and would give us encouragement in in our faith and just truly deliver us from all of our self and bring us fully into the guiding of the Spirit. And so, Father, come and minister among us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen, and amen. Um, This chapter, and the previous chapter, which we did in the first service, it helps us and tells us we must distinguish between the clean and the unclean, between the holy and the unholy, because the only reason that we have a problem with this is we want to always do things our way, or we think we have a better way. And in what we read in the first service, you had Nadab and Abihu, which were uh, two of Aaron's sons, and they offered unholy fire. In other words, contrary to how God said they should uh, to the Lord, and the Lord came out and consumed them. So we have to realize that God desires for us to present a holy fire to him undefiled out of love. Now understand this, and I think this is important to realize, There's never a time scripture teaches that God expects you and I to be perfect. There's only one who was ever perfect, and that's Jesus Christ. You and I fall to sin every day. You and I have areas of our life that we continually deal with. And it's one of the interesting things that probably all of us have have observed. When we come to the Lord, we're born again in the Spirit. We have certain areas, certain sin areas of our life, they're just gone. We just have victory. And there are other areas of our life that we deal with every single day and we struggle with. But here's the point. We're supposed to struggle with sin. Scripture says that. We have not yet struggled to the shedding of blood. We need to struggle with sin. And so the reality is when God came against Nadab and Abihu, it wasn't because um, they just made a mistake. They knew what they were doing, and they did it anyway. And the Lord came out and consumed them. And we'll talk a little bit later, and I mentioned it in the first service, I believe they're in heaven. And I'll share with you from Scripture why. They were you know, punished for their disobedience, but it di- didn't mean that they lost their relationship with God. And we'll look at that in a moment. And we have to understand that we have to come to a place where we stop using our own reasoning and simply trust the Word of God. Because we think we know a better way than God. And we do not. We have to realize that the gift of the Holy Spirit was given for one reason. Not only to testify of all that Jesus had done, but empower us to live in a way that is right before God. We can't do anything on our own, but by the power of Spirit we're able to. Also, one of the interesting things that we'll be finding here is that as believers, we don't have, at least we shouldn't have a fear of death. And yet there's something about death that motivates us to want to adhere to and obey his word. And probably because scripture tells us that it's appointed unto every man once to die and then judgment. So we all know we're coming to that place where we're going to be judged. But the wonderful thing is, as Christians, we're not judged by our behavior, by our life. We're judged by our decision. Whether we made a decision to follow Christ or to not follow Christ. As I mentioned, and I think it's worth saying over and over again, none of us are perfect. Because so many people who become Christians, they think somehow they now have a mandate. I've got to be perfect. I can't ever make a mistake. I can't ever say anything wrong. When someone pulls out in front of me, I'm supposed to say, praise God. You know, um, you know. usually I don't. So we, we think we're supposed to be so perfect, and it discourages us. But the reality is... The Lord just wants us to endeavor. He wants us to strive, Scripture says, towards doing what is right. And you've heard this said before, and it's so true. I'm not what I used to be, you know, but I'm not what I'm going to be. But the fact is, I'm traveling in that direction. You know, if you're um, on a plane traveling from the East Coast to the West Coast, maybe you're in third class if there is such thing, but you're still on your way. <laughs> You follow what I'm saying? Whether you're in first class or whether you're in, in you know, sitting back by the lavatories, you're still on your way. And uh, that's what we have to understand is that where we are with the Lord, we're still on our way. And so we have to be content with where the Lord has us and pray that he brings us on to even a deeper walk with him. So we're picking up in Leviticus chapter 10, and I'm going to be reading verses 8 through 20. It says, then the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you. Listen, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, God doesn't want us to serve him while we're drinking alcohol. He doesn't. And the reason is obvious. It really doesn't pay your judgment, whether you're drunk or not. You know, you have a few drinks and you're just like, hey, you know, so... We have to understand that's why the Lord uh, put that in there. And the thing we have to realize, the reason Nadab and Abihu did what they did, very possibly, is they were drinking. And that's why in the last uh, um, chapter, the last portion that we're reading, God was talking about forbidding it as you're serving him. Because if you do, you might say something wrong or do something wrong. And that's why the fire of the Lord broke out against them. And uh, it goes on and says, It shall be uh, a statue forever throughout all your generations that you don't drink while you're serving the Lord, that you may distinguish between the holy and the unholy, between the unclean and the clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. And Moses is the author of Scripture. He's the one who wrote the Bible, the Old Testament, the Torah. And Moses spoke to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, this, uh, his sons who were left, uh, take the grain offering that remains of the offering made by fire to the Lord and eat it without leaven besides the altar, for it is most holy. Verse 13, you shall eat it in a holy place because it is your due that your sons, uh, and your sons' due of the sacrifice made by fire to the Lord, for so I have been commanded. The breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering you shall eat in a clean place, you and your sons and your daughters with you, for they are, due, for, for, for they are your due and your sons due, which are uh, given from the sacrifice of the peace offerings of the children of Israel. The thigh of the heave offering and the breast of the wave offering they shall bring uh, with the offering a of fat made by fire to offer as a, as a wave offering before the Lord. And it shall be yours and your sons with you by a statute forever, as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses made careful inquiry about the goat of the sin offering, and there it was, burned up. In other words, it was supposed to have been eaten in a, in a, in a clean place by Aaron's other two sons, and they hadn't done it. Um, and he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the sons of Aaron, who were left, saying, "'Why have you not eaten the sin offering in the holy place?' since it is most holy, and God has given it to you to bear the guilt of the congregation, to make atonement for them before the Lord. See, its blood was not brought in uh, inside to the holy place. Indeed, you should have eaten it in the holy place as I commanded. And Aaron said to Moses, Look, this day they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, and such things have befallen me. Uh, And he goes on to say, If I had eaten the sin offering today, would it have been acceptable in the sight of of the Lord? In other words, what uh, Aaron is saying here is, I'm in grief. I just had two of my sons die before my eyes. And so if I would have eaten this, my heart wasn't right. But the reality was that his sons were attempting and trying to do what God wanted them to do. And so when uh, Moses heard heard that, he was content. Now, One of the things this portion starts off with, it seems to indicate the poor judgment of Nadab and Abihu uh, might have been due to alcohol. Scripture does not condemn, understand this, Scripture does not condemn drinking, but it does condemn drunkenness. You shall not be drunk. And so um, a lot of people are surprised to hear me say that. Now, a pastor is not supposed to drink alcohol at all. He's not to be given to wine at all. Deacons are not to be given to much wine. And that means they're not to get drunk. And the reason is because it can and it does impair your judgment. But even a little alcohol was forbidden while serving the Lord. And it seems that, um, you know, whether they were a little bit tipsy or what, but Nadab and Abihu uh, were drinking, and somehow they decided they could offer a different sacrifice to the Lord than he intended. And those of you who weren't here for the first service, they offered unauthorized fire. Because one of the things that they they were supposed to do is the altar sacrifice which is just outside of the tabernacle. They were supposed to take ashes and embers from that in their censers and they were supposed to carry it in to the holy place, put incense on it as the prayers of the saints going up to God is what it represented. They didn't do that. They didn't use that fire. They made their own fire. We were not told what it was, but they made their own fires unauthorized. They knew it was not God's command or will. And they brought that in before the Lord, and the fire of the Lord consumed them. It's absolutely amazing. But the Lord does make it clear, as I mentioned, when we're serving Him, we shouldn't drink alcohol. You know, it's so easy for us to think that the commands of God don't apply to us. You know, well, things are different. Times have changed. You know, uh, the Lord doesn't really mean this. The Lord doesn't... Yes, He does. The Word of the, uh, of the Lord stands forever, undefiled. We can't change the Word of God. And so consequently, as believers, just because we're living in the day we're living in, which is pretty um, permissive days we live in, wouldn't you say, at the least, The days we're living in, it's so easy to be condemned by the sins of the world, to be contaminated by the sins of the world. It's everywhere. But yet, you and I, as believers, we're supposed to rely on the working of the Spirit rather than our own thinking and our own flesh. Because here's what I've heard Christians actually say to me. It's different today. And I say, no kidding. But God's Word hasn't changed His word isn't different. It's the same today, yesterday, and forever, Scripture tells us. It hasn't changed. And so consequently, the commands of God that he has given to us as his people hasn't changed. We're to be obedient to his word. You know, in Ephesians 5.18, it says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. What that means is loose living, craziness, not thinking right in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And I think that's important for us to understand. We shouldn't be looking for not only alcoholic beverage, but any of the, uh, the satisf- uh, you know, satisfying things of this world to give us what we're looking for. We need to be looking to God. And then God gives us everything. You know, people think as believers, well, uh, you know, you as believers, you never have any fun. You just sit around in your living room all day and pray and read your Bible. Well, I hope you have a time every day you sit around and pray and read your Bible. But as believers, we have as much fun as anyone. Next week, when you see the motocross video, you're going to see kids out there making these unbelievable jumps, their legs going out like they do, I don't know what they call that, and all that kind of stuff, and landing these big jumps. And they're laughing, and they're having a great time. But they love the Lord. And many of them who did not love the Lord came to love Him. They got saved during the camp. And so we have to realize that as Christians, we're supposed to be that kind of an example. You know, so many people think if you, if you become a Christian, you have to eat lemons and walk around with a prune face. I'm a Christian. Praise God, I'm a Christian. Life is good. No, 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 no. If you're, if you're a believer, you have the fullness of life. Vi and I like to do things that everybody likes to do. We like to ski. We used to. <laughs> pretty hard anymore. We, we rode dirt bikes up until, was it two or three years ago? And if I had a fall, riding her dirt bike broke her collarbone. You should have seen us in the hospital. How'd you do that, old lady? I was riding my dirt bike. <laughs> oh! They didn't really call her old lady. They thought she was my daughter. But anyway, that's a whole other story. You don't want to get into that. But uh, the point I'm getting at, is it doesn't mean that as believers we don't enjoy life and we don't have fun. We do. But yet there is parameters in which we are to stay that God has commanded us to do. We don't do the sinful things of the world. We just don't. God's command and his words haven't changed. Well, and you know, like I said earlier, people say, well, it's different today. No, it's not. It's much easier to fall into sin. It's much more acceptable by the world to commit all kinds of sin, but it's still sin. It hasn't changed at all. We're still called to obedience to God's word. You know, um, one of the things that's so amazing is to see the liberality in the world today. I mean, I'm 74, which isn't ancient. For a lot of you it is, but, uh, you know, it's not super ancient. But I'm 74. I remember when things were so different. For instance, when I played football at Elmira Free Academy, that's where Ernie Davis played, when I played football at Elmira Free Academy, the football players were the most respected guys in the school. You know why? Back in those days, they didn't drink because if Wild Bill Plimpton, who was our coach, found out, you'd have all kinds of bumps on your head because that's back in the days when they weren't afraid to do that. But the point is that They were the respected guys. Now, the football players are the wildest guys. You follow what I'm saying? The world has changed. Things that were forbidden when you and I were young now are plentiful and accepted. And so it makes it even more difficult. I think to be a Christian today is probably more difficult than any time of our history. Because we have come into the days where our society is completely decadent. We're like Rome in their last days. Everything's accepted. But brothers and sisters, you and I as believers, we are not to do those things. We are to be an example, to be a light in a dark world. But I want to mention this too. Being a light in a dark world doesn't mean that you go around screaming and yelling at people. Like if someone comes up to me and says, and this happens, says, I'd like to come to your church but I want you to know that I am dealing with this sin or that sin. I say, well, I'm glad you want to come to church. You're welcome. And when people come into our fellowship, even if they're dealing with this sin or they're dealing with that sin, you know the only thing they experience is your love, your love and acceptance. And then as we go through the Word of God, it's the Lord who speaks to them. See, if I try to tell you what you're doing is wrong and you need to change, I'm being judgmental. But if the Holy Spirit shows you what you're doing wrong and that you need to change, it's a beautiful thing. It's so natural and so easy. You don't even realize what God has done for you. That's the Word of God. It's so absolutely amazing. Now, it also tells us um, that the Lord provided not only for the priests but also provided for their families. And what it speaks to us is we are to provide for our families. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 5, listen to this. But if anyone does not provide for his own and especially of those of his household, listen to this. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We're supposed to provide for our families. God provides and what he gives us, we're supposed to provide also for our family. He gave, you know, all the priests, he gave them a portion of the offering. He gave it back to them. And in turn, they were supposed to provide for their families. And you and I have a responsibility. And sometimes when we get to the age that Vi and I are, where we don't have children at home anymore, but we have grandchildren, we have just as much responsibility to be an example and in any way we possibly can to provide. That's the Word of God. Now, the question we have then in this reading this portion is, um, we know Nadab and Abihu were consumed by fire from God, when they were disobedient to him. And we found out that these two sons of Aaron also disobeyed the Lord, but they weren't consumed. And we think, well, why is that? I don't, I don't understand it. What, was, what is the reason for it? The reason is that God knows the hearts. And there's a difference between those who disobey out of ignorance, or in this case, grief as well, and those who just willfully disobey the Lord. And... Um, Nadab and Abihu knew what they were doing. They offered profane profane fire. They knew it. But we have to realize that as, as believers, we know what's right and we know what's wrong. We might stumble a little bit. We might make a mistake. And God understands that. He understands possibly our ignorance or our grief or whatever else we might be going through. And that's why he didn't consume these two sons of Aaron. Because there's a difference between willfully choosing to disobey the Lord... And when we ignorantly, you know, or, or just blindly disobey the Lord. Um, one of the things that I think about is you have those who say, and you might have heard this as well. You have those who say, it's different today. In fact, I was just talking to one of our ESM teachers. And I was telling her when I was substituting, I used to have kids say that to me at the school. Well, you know, it's a lot different today, and I want to say to him, "No kidding." <laughs> doesn't mean it's better, but it is a lot different. But the fact is, the Word of God doesn't change. You can't use that phrase. It's a lot different today in relationship to the Word of God. Yeah, it is different in the sense, like for instance, when we come to church. I was going to say nobody wears a suit and tie. <laughs> I have one. I, I, I mean, I, I'm old-fashioned. I'm just old, you know. And I wear a suit and tie for communion. It's just my, my deal. But you guys know, otherwise I just wear a pair of slacks and a t-shirt like anyone else. That has changed, but the heart of those coming to church have, hasn't changed. The heart of the believer hasn't changed. The desire to serve God hasn't changed. So we have to realize there's a difference between those things that have changed in the world that really make no difference and those things that we're allowing to change in our life and heart that do make a difference in our walk with the Lord. God knows the heart and he knows in, and the intent of the heart. He knows those who are really trying to obey his word and those who are just saying, I'm just going to do it my way. He knows that. And um, the point is that God is merciful. And like I mentioned in the first service, I believe that even Nadab and Abihu, even though the fire of God consumed them, I believe they're in heaven. And I was sharing 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. I'm only going to share, share verse 32 now. But when we are judged, listen, we are chastened by the Lord. In other words, when in our walk, we're chastened by the Lord. We're judged and chastened by the Lord for things we've done wrong. Why? That we may not be condemned with the world. In other words, what that portion of Corinthians is telling us, there might be times that we're disciplined by the Lord. This was a great discipline, but we're disciplined by the Lord. But it's so we won't be condemned with the rest of the world in the last days. Those who are unbelievers, those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. And so I believe that Nadab and Abihu went to be with the Lord. Just like Ananias and Sapphira, we talked about that. We talked about the fact that at the beginning of the sacrificial system, you had death of the prideful. And at the beginning of the church age, after the Holy Spirit was given, you had the death of the prideful. Ananias and Sapphira, out of pride, they wanted to pretend that they were doing this great thing for God, and they didn't. But I believe Ananias and Sapphira will also be in heaven for the same reason. I think it was the Lord just making a strong stand to show how serious he is about keeping his word. And so these lessons that we have learned is telling us that when it comes to God, it's always in his terms. God makes the rules, not us. Our only decision is to obey or not to obey. And hopefully our decision is to obey with peace we often forfeit. Remember that song, with peace we often... I don't try to sing. I can't carry a tune. You know, it's absolutely horrible. My my son, Pastor Frank Junior, who's usually up here leading worship, he actually says, Dad, try not to sing so loud. He does. He says, you pull me and everyone around you out of tune and off key. So I won't even... But you know that song, with peace we often forfeit. We don't carry everything to God in prayer. And... To me, I think what peace we often forfeit because we're always trying to think of a better way. How easy it would be to simply trust the Word of God and believe it. How simple would that be? Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, here's the point. We can. There's nothing to it. We have the Word of God to man, the logos of God to man. You know, one of the things that was so interesting, people say, Well, how do we know the Bible's true? I'm I'm getting off track a little bit, but just to make a point, there is uh, a testing uh, concerning literature, and it's called Plato's Dictum. And how Plato's Dictum works is you take the most ancient manuscripts of any book, compare it to the most modern manuscripts of any book, and depending what changes there are shows you how accurate the book is. It's called Plato's Dictum. Well, when you take the Bible and you compare it with the most ancient manuscripts to the present day, there's virtually no changes at all. Plato's Dictum says it's the most accurate book that we have. When, I, when we were in Israel, we were in the, uh, um, the Museum of the Scroll, where they actually had the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found in the caves of Qumran. And they're there. There's a little hole in one of them. You can actually reach in and touch it. And, you know, it, it's in the Hebrew. It's the same as, as our Bible today. And so when you say, how do we know this is accurate? Because it's the most accurate book in the world. It's amazing. And so I really encourage you to study the word and say, Lord, teach me from it. You know, and this brings us to communion. We have communion here once a month. The Bible says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. And we have to realize that the whole reason we share in communion is to remember what Jesus Christ has done. Jesus Christ paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had painted a crimson stain, but he's washed as white as snow. And what that hymn is telling us is this. We all have sinned, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So when we come before the Lord and we participate in this communion, what we're saying is, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm so thankful that I don't have to try to get to heaven in my own merit because I wouldn't get there. I'm so thankful that you did it all. You paid the whole price. And when we participate in this communion, we're taking the bread and we're recognizing that you gave your body to the whip. You gave your body to the nails. You gave your body to the spears. You took the punishment that we deserve. And you hung on that cross like the Lamb of God. Your blood was poured out as an offering for sin. And therefore, you didn't just cover my sin. In the Hebrew, that's called the kofar. That's the Old Testament where they just cover sin. You remove my sin as far as the east is from the west. I'm clean before you. And so when we take the communion, we're realizing all that Jesus has do- had done. And he said, do this until you drink it anew with me in my Father's kingdom. The reality is, one day, and I think very soon, you and I are going to be with the Lord. Jesus Christ is coming back for his church And we're going to share that communion in heaven that he personally will serve. It'll be absolutely amazing, absolutely fantastic. But until that day, we share in the communion of the Lord. It's a reminder of what God has done for us. So if I could have my brothers come forward. You know, I love at the beginning when he was meeting uh, with his disciples, it would have been the seder dinner in the upper room. He took unleavened bread. Leaven represents sin. Unleavened means there's no sin. He took the unleavened bread and he broke it. He did that as an example to them, saying, Look, my body's broken for you. How awesome is that? How often would anyone give their life for you? But Jesus did. So let's pass out the elements, and then we will share our communion together. Thanks to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have no fear of death. We have no fear of death. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Our sins have been atoned for. They've been cleansed. They've been washed away. We are as white as snow by the blood of the Lamb. And so therefore, my brothers and sisters, take and eat and drink and be so thankful to your God. The sacrament that we call communion, for what it testifies to our heart about you, about all that you've done, all you're going to do. And we long for that day, long for that day, when we'll be with you forever. And now, Lord, I pray that you would bless this sacrament to our soul and spirit's nourishment, And I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, my friends.